Hey, Ding Dongs, welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast formerly about NBC's The Good Place and now recapping the Disney Plus series Loki. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, if you think she's evil, just wait until you meet her variants. It's my sister, Marissa. Literally the best piece of content I saw come out of this finale was somebody using that to talk about the Delta variant. Yes. (laughs) I was going to go in a different direction and ask if I am a variant of you. But then we shouldn't both exist at the same time. And yet here we are. And yet here we are. In fact, we watched this together. We did watch this together. Let's talk a little bit about why this episode is like three weeks late. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, our mother... Uh, who we have made fun of many times on this program, but is a, mm-hmm. is a lovely mom. Uh, yes. A little overbearing, but <laughs> <laughs> she's our mother. Um, she was born with a congenital heart defect that uh, she in the past had had two major surgeries to deal with. And we ended up in a situation where she had to have a third, actually a kind of two surgeries together over the course of three days. A two for one deal at... Uh, Penn Presbyterian. <laughs> yes. So uh, I'd like to thank the entire city of Philadelphia for getting vaccinated and, and getting the COVID, yes. rates, COVID rates down so low that we did not have to worry about her getting COVID in the hospital and the ICU beds were not already full with COVID patients because if she were in like Arkansas or something, she would be dead because the, the ICU beds would be full of COVID patients. Woof. So Philadelphia did an amazing job. Thumbs up to you, Philadelphia. Uh, so so basically what happened was that the week that the finale was released... Uh, the day the finale was released, we were traveling. Well, well I was going to say, the, the, the earlier in that week, we found yeah. out that she was in the hospital. Yeah. And we made uh, arrangements to go be with her in the hospital because there was a very real chance that she was not going to survive this. This and is real, a real dark so it's, look, beginning. I mean, it's, look, it has a happy ending. It does. So we uh, went up to be with her in Philadelphia. I mean, I went up, Brianna went down um, yep. to be with her in Philadelphia. And uh, she survived the surgeries. And in fact, the, the first night we got there, we watched this episode together. Yeah. And so <laughs> that was weird. Uh, but <laughs> So we were together, which was actually really nice. It was really nice to watch this together. I also, I had to watch it again to take notes for it, uh, for this podcast. And there was just sort of stuff that I had been like, oh, that happened. I don't remember this. And then I was like, oh, because (laughs) it's just such a weird circumstance to be watching this. And we were so like wrung out and tired and we were watching it, you know, on a laptop in a hotel room. And just like everything pretty nice else. hotel room. It was a great considered. hotel room, but <laughs> we're you know Homewood I... Suites in University City, Philadelphia. <laughs> Shouts to you. This episode brought to you by. <laughs> and so definitely, I think that set the mood for me to like. Yes. Of yeah. Like, this was a weird way to watch the finale, and it was also kind of a weird finale. So yes, agreed on both counts. But we were at least together, which was nice. It was great. It was great. And we we had gotten some Mike's Hard Lemonade. (laughs) We're very lightweight. I mean, I'm not lightweight in terms of how much I weigh, but in terms of how much alcohol I can put away, I'm an extreme lightweight. (laughs) And uh, we were enjoying ourselves to the extent that we could. Um, But we want to thank you, those of you who have reached out with, like, well wishes. We want to thank you all. Um, Mom's tough. She's a... 
there I wouldn't be surprised if there were variants of mom in other dimensions just like kicking butt and taking names <laughs> so yeah she's at home now she's recuperating it's gonna be like a long recuperation but yeah so i mean part of the reason we were as late as we are in recording this is you know um we were in the hospital with her for several days and then after her surgeries i stayed on to you know be with her in the hospital during her recovery and then i i went home with my parents to kind of like help them out a bit get her settled at home i talked to her on the phone today she's like brianna was terrific and then there's like a beat and she's like not that you weren't also good when you came to visit me (laughs) i was like i'm not not jealous (laughs) i know that brianna stayed with you for like an extra week that i did not was it a week was Uh, it more than a week yeah for me it was about two weeks in total yeah and i was only there for like four or five days yeah which you know happy to do but it also meant that like while i was at mom and dad's i didn't have a ton of bandwidth to like take care of this and then this week was just me sort of decompressing a little bit and also trying to get back to like your paid employment yeah i had like a bunch of work (laughs) (laughs) we uh are deeply in the red on this podcast (laughs) this podcast is not a remunerative enterprise for us We do it. It's a labor of love. It's a labor of love. <laughs> so yeah, thank you all for your for your well wishes and for your thoughts. And um, now you know, I think we're gonna break a bunch of people's hearts by like not being super into this finale. I so in watching it again, and actually I think what helped me was in in prepping for this podcast episode, I read some some articles that were like more up on the finale and had done some interviews with like Kate Heron who directed it. Heron, is that how you say her name? I love her. I I, I, I also don't love her. I love her. I I saw her um just taking someone to task on Twitter. I mean they called her they called her terrible names. I saw she's too. just like, that's me and I, I I like things I will not say on this family podcast. Yes. And she's just like, ha I think she said something like, I'm available to ruin your franchise or something. Yes. Like, I oh thought my that God, was great. it was so good. And so this is like, I, I think up front. So that's what I'll say. Like in watching it a second time and then in also reading some of these articles, I have a little bit more of an appreciation for it. But I think there are things that I know you're going to want to talk about time travel. Like I already know you're going to want to talk about it because um, <laughs> we talked about it for like a very, a very long time. It's like we're like trying to go to bed that night. It's like midnight and I'm just like lying in the bed next to your bed. (laughs) Just being like, but (laughs) how did that? It doesn't make any sense. And you're like, go to sleep. Yes. (laughs) And also like I had a little bit of script doctoring that I thought about yesterday that we can that we can talk about or not. But I also think, yeah, it, it I don't it was not my certainly wasn't my favorite episode of the season, but also wasn't, you know, to me, it was sort of a strange finale, but I also think there are things worth talking about. And so, yeah, I, so I think we'll have a ton of, a ton of stuff to talk about, but, but I don't think either one of us watched that finale. Like, I think, you know, episode three, episode four, we're like, this is a banger. Like, we're so happy to be here to talk about this. I don't think that's how this episode's going to go. No. Just tonally, <laughs> um, for multiple reasons, but I, you know, it's, 
it's at least, I think, an interesting discussion to have. So, you know, and, and we welcome all of your thoughts, too. So I'll get to the housekeeping. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and at goodplay.cast.rocks. Oh, that was a nice segue. Thank you. You can rate and review us on your podcast app of choice. And you can also, um, you know, get get in on the convo about Loki if you want. You can follow us on, on Facebook. We have a group called The Good Play. Twitter, we are at the Good Play Pod, and you can send us an email at thegoodplaypod at gmail.com. And honestly, like, I'd be interested to hear what other people thought of this finale. Yeah, because for sure. it I've heard some people be like super into it. I've heard some people be like, I hated it. I've heard some people kind of I think where I'm at, which is it was interesting, but it didn't really feel like a finale to me, and maybe that's mm-hmm. sort of where I'm where my discussion points are going, but um yeah. So if we want to jump in, I'm happy to recap unless you yeah, you'd, want to. Yeah, you'd better, I think, because you just rewatched it I for the purposes it. of recapping. And I have not watched it since the day it came out. And this is quite a long time later. Yeah. <laughs> quite a long time and quite a few uh, incidents in our lives later. <laughs> and yeah, I was uh, like... I'll be honest, I think if I didn't have to recap it for the podcast, I don't think I would have rewatched the finale. There are episodes of this that I would rewatch in a heartbeat, but this one was, you know, I liked it upon second watch, but it was not the most gripping. So, you know, we get a cold open that's a bunch of, like, quotes from Marvel characters and historical figures over top, like, an animation of the cosmos and this and that. And I remember when Marissa and I watch this together in the hotel room. She goes, a little grandiose for Marvel. (laughs) Which I agree with. And I think if we want to put a pin in this, some of my script doctoring is for this cold open. Because I I don't think this one kind of served the story as well as it could have. Loki and Sylvie are in front of the Citadel at the end of time, which is kind of what we saw at the end of episode five. They've gotten beyond Elioth and they walk up to the door and uh, Sylvie sort of pauses and she's dealing with like the gravity of this situation and they have a little bit of an exchange but you know it it's just sort of like you know are you sure you want to do this yes okay you go inside and they go into this like trippy dark interior that i thought i mean i will say like props to the the effects people props Props to, to the props department props to the props people I don't, I don't have a quibble with anybody's acting in this episode. It really is just like the story's a little funky. So you have this like trippy dark interior interior and Miss Minutes shows up and she was like, oh, he's the all- creepiest character. I think we could agree in this entire <laughs> franchise. She's way too chipper for what's going on. And she's like, he's very impressed with you. And they're like, okay, who is he? And she's like, he who remains. He created all and he controls all. And I'm sorry for my accent. I know it's terrible, but. (laughs) So she gives him a deal and she says, listen, he is willing to reinsert you both back into your timeline together, which is normally not done. Oh my Um, God. They should have taken this deal, by the way. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Like not even close. They should have taken this deal. As long as he promised not to wipe their memories, they should have taken this deal. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things they should have done. I think we're gonna, <laughs> we can talk about that. And, you know, she basically says, like, we can put you back in a timeline together, which would have been a big selling point for me. Uh, and I know for you, too, because you're very much into this version of Loki. And she's like, listen, He's my Loki, soft, like, soft boy. I know. you. Are, he was so soft in this episode, guys. So, so soft. soft. 
And she's like, listen, Loki, like, you want to win against the Avengers, you want to kill Thanos, you get the in- Infinity Gauntlet, you can rule and Asgard. And he could have said, like, no, just insert us in, like, a quiet little corner of the timeline and, like, we'll be cool. Yeah. <sighs> Missed opportunity. And Sylvie is, and she's like, hey, Sylvie, you know, do you want a chance at, like, a happy life? And Sylvie's like, no, basically. Yeah. Well, she says, she's like, it's all a fiction. Like, you're lying. She doesn't trust anybody, which is, trust is a big theme in this episode. And I'll talk about that a little bit more um, when we get to the uh, articles and reviews. But, you know, they both kind of are, their hackles are up. And Miss Minutes is like, okay, good luck, I guess. And like, yes. you know, leaves, just pieces out. And then back at the TVA, Miss Minutes shows up and she's got files for Ravana. And Ravana's like, well, I don't, I didn't, this isn't what I asked for. And she's like, he thinks these would be more useful. And Ravana's like, who is he? And Miss Minutes is like, bye. And so she just doesn't <laughs> say anything. Um, and then we're back at the Citadel. We're going to cut back and forth between these two things. I think probably because staying in the Citadel for too long, you know, my main critique of this episode is that it feels like a very expensive bottle episode. Yeah, it sure does. So um, we're back at the Citadel and uh loki and sylvia are like walking through all these rooms uh looking for you know i guess he who remains like and a door opens to reveal a guy he's i mean as they say like he's just a guy played by jonathan majors who uh was on uh lovecraft country which i have not watched but i've heard he's very good on it and he doesn't nobody nobody there are no actors in this series who are not great Nobody's quibbling. Nobody's quibbling with the acting. Mm -mm. I think that's an important, and I think he does a really good job with what he's given, which is uh, basically a cutscene in a video game. It's a lot of exposition. (laughs) It's the it's the final boss cutscene that you can't fast forward (laughs) through, where he's like, "Oh, you've made it, and now I'm going to explain my whole evil plan." And you're like, "I I have to go to dinner. (laughs) Mom's calling me." So he doesn't seem evil. He just like seems kind of unhinged, separated from this reality. Kind of like a little bit reminded me of like a more chaotic evil Judge Jen. Like the way the Judge yes. Jen was like, "What's up, guys? Like I'm just eating a burrito, and like I hold the fate of the world in the balance, but like I'm also watching Deadwood or whatever, you know, Timothy yeah, Olyphant was... show, <laughs> right?" And. I, I read an interview that said that Michael Waldron, who's the head writer for this series, describes him as, quote, a very charismatic sociopath. I think he... I don't know that that's the vibe I got. I don't know. Okay. But, I mean, but that's just, I you know, he seemed not not of this reality in terms of, like, what his understanding... Like, he just seems very sort of separated from the pain of everyday life, people's everyday lives. So... Sylvie tries to kill him in an elevator, but, like, it doesn't work because he outmaneuvers her. The Sylvie, girl, read the room. I mean, she's Louise. She, she's on a very She's a lot in this episode. She's a lot. It was, yeah, that's another thing we could talk about. Um, She's on a very tight uh, coil this episode. And they go to his office, and then Mobius shows back up at the TVA and kind of has a little bit of a showdown with Ravana, and he's like, hey, so, you know, you, that was terrible, and, <laughs> like, and Ravana is basically like, everything that they have done, it can't have been for nothing, 
and uh, Mobius tells her that you know it's it's not gonna work. She tries to call backup for backup, and he's like, "Yeah, that's not gonna work." And then this I thought was interesting. They cut to B fifteen. And she's oh in. yeah, I like this a lot. I like this too. I I almost would have rather spent more time here. Like yes, she, she's um, B fifteen is almost like luring other Minutemen into a reality, and they follow her. And she's like, "Hey, you got to listen to me. Like, it's not this isn't what you think it is." And then Ravana, like a woman who we know as Ravana, it's Gugu and Batha Ra, the the actress, same actress, shows up in like a nice flowery dress and it's like what are you doing at my school this is in ohio like a suburb of ohio in 2018 and they're in like a principal's office or whatever and she comes and she's like what are you doing at my school like who are you and the hunter who's chasing b15 seems like really confused and then it just sort of cuts away from that back in the citadel you know, buckle up, because this is, like, a lot, we're gonna get a lot of exposition. Basically, it's, like, Sylvie keeps trying to lunge for him, for he who remains. I'm just gonna call him, can I call him just Jonathan Majors? I don't know. Yeah, sure. Um, so, Sylvie keeps trying to go for Jonathan Majors, and he keeps, like, getting away from her. And he's, like, listen, um, I know everything you're gonna do, because mm. I planned this. Like, and they're, like, no we broke out of your little game and he's like no you didn't like i control all the time and i know everything that's gonna happen and he says every step you took to get here i paved the road you just walked down it and i'm sure that makes sylvie feel real great (laughs) sylvie is like steaming mad this entire episode and um he starts uh jonathan major starts to like sow some seeds of doubt regarding trust he's like hey sylvie are you sure you can trust this one over here like da 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 and so he's he's starting to kind of dig into like her uh her bruises around uh trust and and specifically around their conversations around you know they just had a conversation in the last episode like how do i know you're not gonna like you know stab me in the back stab me in the back and he says thank you and he's like listen i'm not gonna do that to you if I had any quibble with Sylvie in this episode, it's that I think she had too much of a reversal back to, you know, what we knew her as pre-last, pre-episode five, but like, you know. And uh, then we're back at the TVA and Ravana is like, nope, this was all necessary. Everything that we did was necessary. And uh, she she's, she's like pretty unhinged at this point because he's like, hey, what about free will? And she's like, Free will, <laughs> like <laughs> you know. She, I thought she played this. The actress played this very well, but she was like, the only person who gets free will is the person at the top. And Mobius is like, yeah, you can't just do that. Like, you can't just take away people's free will and expect everybody to be cool with this. And he's like, you betrayed me, and she's like, you betrayed me, and you betrayed our cause, you betrayed everything. And he was <laughs> that like, that was such a oh. lame comeback. I was like, come on. <laughs> I was like, I mean, but you and I sort of talked about it and talked about, like, if you've been really entrenched in something for a really long time, like, it can be really hard to give up that mentality. Like, it's not that easy for everybody. I know you are, but what am I? And, you know, and he sort of, he tries to go after her with the, like, pruning stick and she fully knocks him on his butt. And he's like, all right, I guess I'm going back to the void. Like, just do it. And she creates a portal and... 
he's like, hey, um, where are you going? Like, I, you shouldn't leave. Like, where are you going? And she says, uh, I'm going in search of free will. So I for sure thought she was going to show up at the yeah, me Citadel too. at the end of time and then doesn't. Nope. So. I mean, the whole time I was waiting for her to pop through a thingy and uh, did not happen no. because this mo- this series <laughs> turns out to not be a TV show so much as a an extended advertisement for the MCU. Quantumania. Whatever aspect of the MCU they want to push. It's hard to know what exactly. So... Um, you know, we're back in Jonathan Major's office, and this is really where I should have said buckle up. So, start getting buckled in the last scene. This is the real scene where you gotta be strapped in for how much exposition you're gonna get. And, you know, he, Jonathan Majors is like, listen, without me and without the TVA, like, everything burns. And Loki says, what are you so afraid of? And he's like, me. And so he explains the this whole deal that there's a... There was a variant version of himself who was a scientist in the 31st century on Earth. and Well, I think every version of himself starts out that way. Well, he said that that version discovered that there are multiple universes stacked on top of each other. And other versions of him in other universes see the same, discover the same thing at the same time. Okay. And he's got, so this was another thing that I'm going to script doctor a little bit when we get to it, but like, he basically has like a magical, I don't know what it is, but it's like made of gold and it can morph. And so as he's talking, what we're it's seeing. It's like in the Black Panther credits. Yes. You know, like the black sand like makes the like images of the different people in the movie. Very similar to that of like, you know, so you see like a scientist and then here are the universes stacked on top of each other. And here is one variant meeting another variant and they're happy and here's them sharing technology and da 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 and then here's a mean one and he comes in and you know so um <laughs> sorry there's like there's a really there's a there's a comedian who like who on YouTube whom I love who like his major criticism of the MCU is how every Marvel movie is just except for like like every single person Marvel Marvel movie is you know, just the hero meets, like, his opposite, just, like, his dark version of himself. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing is just like, how about he, Ant-Man, uh, he, but uh, there's another guy who could also shrink, but he's not Batman. He's Batman. He's Batman. <laughs> this is what I thought of when you said that. <laughs> he's the mean one. Yes. Um, so, basically, he says, okay, we've got these variants, and at first they meet, and they're all, like, friendly and it's peaceful and they're sharing technology which is like okay what and then also like you know things are going well and then he says not every version of me was so pure of heart and then like you know basically this is we're gonna meet Kang the Conqueror like everybody was correct but he says new worlds meant new lands to be conquered and you know my variants basically started a multiversal war and the one of his variants, I think it was the scientist, discovered Elioth. And then I think it was this version of him. It must be this version of him because this is the one that survived. Yes. Basically weaponized Elioth and like yes. gobbled up all of these other timelines and these yes. other universes. And so now he manages the flow of time and prevents other branches. And so he needs the TVA. Like he created the TVA in order to do this. In order basically to keep his 
warring variants at bay, which in and of itself is not a boring concept. Oh, it's I a agree. Very cool concept. And they I think my issue with this episode is they just chose to present it to us in the blandest way possible. Hmm. And he like story-wise. Uh and so he says you came to kill the devil. Well, guess what? I keep you safe. If you think I'm evil, well just wait until you meet my variants. And basically he's saying like if they get rid of him, something worse is going to fill the void. I mean, it's it's kind of what we see geopolitically in some cases of like if you depose a leader and then you get like, you know, a military junta or whatever. Like it's it's not a cool it's not going to be like, oh, the next person who shows up is going to be benevolent and fix everything. So he gives them a choice and he says, the two of you can run the TVA benevolently. Like, tell everybody, which I thought was interesting. He was like, tell everybody why they're here and why they do what they do. Be honest with them. Or kill me now and you'll have to contend with all of my variants and basically it'll be like utter chaos. And Loki's like, well, why? Like, why are you doing any of this? Which is, like, and I actually, a good question. I said the line that he said before he said it because I could just, like, because Jonathan Majors is a really good actor and I could tell how he was playing it. Yeah. He was just like, I'm tired. And I was like, yeah, he's going to say he's tired because, like, he looks tired. He is tired. I get it, man. I've got two kids. I'm tired. You have multiple universes. Could you imagine multiple universes of your children, like, popping nope. up no, in the living you. room? So, yeah, he says, I'm tired and, you know, this is, this game is for the young and the hungry and, like, I just, you know, I'm good. And Sylvie is very, being very extra. She's very (sighs) Sylvie in this episode. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't love it. She's like, you're treating our lives like a game. It's just a game to you. And he's like, listen, it's not personal. Which is like, again, when I say, like, he feels separate, like, Judge Jen is the same way. She's like, all right, we're going to erase the earth and start over again. And like, I'll see you in like a billion years. It's fine. And all the humans are like, oh my God, no, you can't do that. But like to judge Jen, it's the thing that makes the most sense. She's like, it's not personal to you. And and in this case, the same thing. He says, it's not personal. And she's like, it's personal to me. And then he lashes out at her, which I actually think was great. I loved this. This was my, my absolute favorite part of this episode is when he screams at her grow up sylvie because i wanted to say the exact same thing yeah so he he yells i'm not gonna yell but he says grow up sylvie murderer hypocrite we're all villains here we've all done horrible terrible horrific things but now we have a chance to do them for a good reason and i think that's really interesting because you and i on this show have had a lot of conversations about like sylvie knew that the minutemen were variants and she murdered them anyway yes like She's done some stuff. Fucked up. Yeah. She's done some stoof in this show that you're like, ah. And like, she and Mobius had that conversation where she was very unforgiving of him, you know. Maybe that was meant to be like foreshadowing of this. I don't know. Maybe it was. Because at the time, like, I remember having some issues with that conversation because, you know, he was like, look, I was just doing what I was told. And she got very upset with him about it and like maybe that is her you know she has a particular moral code but it's not it doesn't have any room for anybody other than herself it's, it kind of seems like and then so the, again like this they're just in this room the whole time and there's a rumble in the distance and we don't really see what that is 
And Jonathan Majors tells them that he's like, so, you know, when I said that I knew everything that was going to happen, uh, I lied a little bit. He's like, we're beyond the threshold now, and I don't really know what's going to happen anymore, so now it's up to you. And um, outside, you see, like, the timeline sort of starting to branch all around. The Citadel's kind of, like, in the center of this vortex of, like, branching timelines. And Loki's like, so you have all the freedom in the world. Like, you're the only one who's free, and you're just going to, like, let us decide what happens to you. Like, what is that about? And he's like, listen, either you guys decide to run. Like, what?" he's like, what's the worst that could happen? Which, like, LOL. But he's like, you know, either you guys run things, and I just sort of get to live out my days quietly. Or, you know, you kill me, and you start another war, and then I'll just end up right back where I am. Which, again, like, in my good place brain, like, it sounded very much like, Michael talking about like blowing himself up in that one episode where he's like okay I'll just see you again soon and like it's not you know I'd rather it be this way like I know I'm gonna come back but like just make sure you get all my goo into one bucket because I don't want to come back shorter (laughs) like similar vibe to me of just like well what's the worst that can happen like you know either you guys run things and I'll just do my own thing or you guys kill me and the same thing will happen over again. And, you know, Sylvie's like, I think you're a liar. And he's like, okay, well, you know, (laughs) I think he's kind of had the same. Like, Sylvie, you're exhausting. (laughs) She moves to stab him at this point and Loki stops her and the two of them start Literally, like, I say, when I when I say they have a fight, like, they are literally... It's not a, right, it's not a lover's spat unless you live in a very bad part of town. <laughs> they are physically fighting each other. And he's just, like, watching this happen. Like, he doesn't ever try to, like, run away. He's just, like, sitting there, Jonathan Majors. And she's like, oh, I get it. Like, you want the throne. Like, that's what this is about. You want to rule everything. And he's like, listen, <sighs> I know, it's exasperating. And, and he's like, it's not that... And, you know, he gets very bitter about her lack of trust in him after, especially after everything they've been through. And like, as I'm sort of going through it again now, it is, it reminds me of the conversation that classic Loki and kid Loki have with, with our Loki when they're, after they've come out of like the Loki fight down in that disused bowling alley. (laughs) And (laughs) which, what a much more fun set piece. Um, but, you know, classic Loki and kid Loki are like, oh my god, like, this is just who we are, and every time we try to change, something bad happens to us. Like, anybody, like, any Loki who tries to get away from backstabbing gets punished for it. And I think that might, you know, looking back on it, like, that might have been foreshadowing for this, because he's genuinely changed. And yes. he's trying to get her to change. He's too sort of stuck and stubborn and stuck in this revenge fantasy. And, you know, he he says, you know, oh, you can't trust and I can't be trusted, apparently, right? Mm. And Sylvie kind of throws him. Again, like, the stunt choreography, amazing. Uh, the effects are great. You know, the acting is good. Sylvie shoves him over, shoves Loki over to the side, and then she runs up and is, like, swinging her sword in order to, like, try to decapitate who remains. And Loki reappears, like, right in front of her blade, 
And I was like, is she going to decapitate Tom Hiddleston? <laughs> I know, right? Because we were really not sure that he was going to survive this show. No, I I mean, I didn't know there was going to be a season two. And I assumed that this was a limited series like the rest of them have been. And so I thought he might actually die. And he kind of gives her this spiel about like, you know, I, 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 I know where you've been. And I know why you feel this way. And I don't want a throne. And I just want you to be okay. And she kisses him and then shoves him into a portal. And Sylvie, you know, walks up to He Who Remains and says, aren't you going to beg for your life? And he just sort of shrugs at her. And I mean, I think he says, see you real soon, right? Well, so she stabs him in the chest and he <sighs> winks at her and he says, I'll see you soon. And he goes out laughing, basically. And Never a good sign. Can I just say, if you're in the, <laughs> if you're in the heroing business... And yeah. somebody you think you're killing is like, <laughs> as he dies, like, you should be real worried. <laughs> and Sylvie is immediately overcome with regret. Immediately. Like, on her face, she's just like, oh, no. Like, I don't know if it was like, I, I don't know exactly what was going through her mind, but the timeline is branching, and it's crackling, and it's crazy, and we're back at the TVA, and Mobius and B-15 are watching the timelines branch, and Mobius says, like, no turning back now. And Loki has been punted into a portal back into, I'm just going to say the TVA, okay? And Okay! Dang it, okay! I, I know we're going to, you're going to have to talk after this because I'm exhausted. That, um, and he's despondent. And then he has this moment, he picks himself up and he starts running through the TVA and he's looking for something. And you and I, but we talked about this as we were watching it, where we were like, oh, he's going to, like, have a magic thing that saves the day or whatever. And, like, no. He finds Mobius, and, you know, as he's running through the TVA, like, the timeline is branching. It's chaos. Minutemen are wandering or, or running uh, past him, and nobody's paying any attention to him. And he finds Mobius in B-15 near the stacks in the library. Stacks and, on stacks on stacks. And... <laughs> And Mobius and B fifteen <laughs> Mobius and B fifteen are talking about like, well, what does he want us to do? Like, how can we even control this? And then uh Loki runs up and he's like, Oh my god, it's terrible and he there's war coming and like we have to prepare and oh my god and we can't do anything about this and blah, 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 blah. like he's just it's like a word vomit. <laughs> and Mobius is like, Take it easy, man, like, you know, all right, you, all right, all right, all right. That's the, that's the <laughs> that's rest of Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> um, but, like, are you an analyst? Like, what's your name? Who are you? Like, what division are you from? And he's like, what? <laughs> and Moby, as Mobius asks, who are you? Loki looks up to see that the statues in the TVA that used to be of the timekeepers have been replaced by a statue of he who remains. Well... It's not really he who remains, right? It's it's, it's a Kang. guy who looks like he who remains, Kang? but he's dressed in the Kang outfit. Kang, apparently, Kang. says the comic book nerds. Okay, okay, and then it's like cut to black. Okay, cut to black, and then it right comes off back the and top, like, Loki will come back for season two. Okay, this ending makes no sense. 
and it now like, you art. should really buckle up everybody because <laughs> this is i'm glad you did the the but, summary so that i can really jump in here before it you, makes no sense before okay, you, sorry. no i just went before you i was talking to listener kate and listener meg shouts to both of them if i can before just, they were listeners i just want to clarify for everyone we're not like regularly on the phone with our listeners but brian went to college with these young women yes I, I love them both very dearly. Um, if I can shout out Meg, she works in visual effects and uh, got a very cool visual effects job recently uh, with a firm that worked on Loki. So ha ha ha. Maybe she'll be working on season two. I don't know anything about her job, but that's my She dream. had better give us spoilers if she works on Loki season two. <laughs> Meg, you it have is, a duty. <laughs> it is a, your duty as a friend of the pod to do this for us. Um, but I was telling both of them, I was like, oh, we have to record the podcast. And like, Marissa's got a lot of thoughts about the time travel. And Kate goes, we know because you handed your phone to her and let That's her right. text us about it for like an hour. And I was it like, wasn't, it was 10 minutes, Kate. <laughs> Slow your roll, Kate. It was, was 10 minutes. I may have added the hour part because <laughs> basically what happened was Marissa started talking about time travel. And I was like, I don't understand any of this. And so I just handed her my phone and she talked to my friends for me. So, okay. Now Here's the multiple go. levels on which this does not make it. This ending doesn't make any sense. Level number one, the easiest level to understand. There's no way that Mobius doesn't know who Loki is. This is <laughs> okay. It's an alternate universe with an alternate TVA. We assume the TVA has still been tasked with if there if the TVA exists at all, it's to police the timeline, right? And therefore, there's a bunch of Lokis running around doing Loki nonsense. Okay, that's how Loki works. We we saw them in the void and we know that like one of the things about being a Loki is that you're constantly messing with the time stream because you're a scamp. So stealing people's penises. <laughs> so the fact that oh that that Mobius looks at Tom Hiddleston and says, Who are you? Now if he had said, Oh my god, it's a Loki loose in the TVA, that would have made sense. Okay? Yeah. That would have been, oh my god, it's a Loki variant or something. So like seize him would have made Perfect sense to me because, okay, this is an alternate Mobius in an alternate timeline who did not work with Loki, does not know Loki as a TVA consultant. Yes. But he for sure knows who Loki is because we got the freaking brief in the first or second episode. I think it was the second episode of like Loki in the Tour de France and Loki jumping out of an airplane. Like Loki's all the bleep over the place <laughs> okay as, uh db cooper yeah yes like it is nuts that he would look at him mobius who is like thousands of years old and has been doing this forever and has and has been the agent assigned to take down dozens if not hundreds of loki variants would look at him and go huh who are you makes <laughs> no sense not a lick of sense all right that's Issue number one. Issue number okay. two is the more complicated issue. And this is the one that I got into with your friends over text. I, not that you're not my friends too, Kate and Meg. It's just that I don't have your numbers. So, okay. This is an alternate version of the TVA that was founded by Kang, which means Kang is now in control of the multiverse, in control, if you will, of the sacred timeline, which that's fine. Yes. It's fine if... The instant Sylvie kills Jonathan Majors, the slightly less horrible version, 
that he's instantly replaced by Kang. Even if you want to say like, well, it takes a while for the timelines to branch. I am perfectly fine with them being like, the timelines branch, you know, at the speed of light or whatever, and or, or faster than that. And it generated all of these Kang variants extremely quickly. And, you know, all of their timelines like spun out and we had another multiversal war, you know, just because these timelines are just, you know, branching out faster, I think, than time actually moves. I'm fine with all of that. Um, And it would have been fine. I think if Sylvie had been crying in a corner and then opened her eyes and seen Kang in the chair, I also would have been fine with that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think, in fact, I think she should have. I think that would have made some things a little clearer. (laughs) You know, if they'd cut back to her in the final moment to show that, I think that would have been better. But okay. I'm not talking about script doctoring. I'm talking about something that doesn't make any gosh darn sense. If... Kang, if we're if we're in a separate universe, separate timeline where Kang founded the TVA, then there's no reason <laughs> for Mobius and B15 to be looking at a screen of branching timelines and being like, "Oh no, what do we do? What do we, do we have any directions from him?" Because how did we what? How did we get to an alternate timeline with an alternate TVA? And yet Kang hasn't already cleaned up the mess that Sylvie left. That doesn't make any sense. If if Mobius is the same Mobius, he's been working there for eons, and B-15, again, seasoned professional, and the two of them are in charge. And by the way, Ravana's not there, question mark. Yeah. I'm not sure that's really explicable. But the two of them are like senior enough. They've been working there long enough. They're the ones in the stacks consulting with each other then that implies that this timeline has been going on. You know, I I feel like it's really hard to put into the English language, like the issues I have with a time travel plot. But maybe I, I'm just going to try to summarize and be like, if we have a, a functional Kang TVA, this is not a baby TVA. This is not he gets there and people start popping in and... You know, like that the basically the TVA has been restarted from the beginning, right? It's not all of a sudden Loki gets shoved over to the TVA and he's the only one there. And then people start sort of warping in and being like, why am I here? What's going on? Which I would have also been fine with. This is a functional extant TVA that somehow is also dealing with the problem of branching timelines. It doesn't make any sense. If that the version of reality where the timelines are branching should be done now that Kang has taken over and apparently has had this TVA up and running for some long amount of time. <sighs> and I think you also, and maybe um, I'm misremembering something, but like another part of what you had an issue with when we watched it was like, the TVA is supposed to exist out of time. Yes. And so... I think the initial argument was like, well, maybe there, maybe this is a, a, a TVA in a different timeline. Like maybe she shoved him into a TVA in a different timeline. But your point is, was when we were talking about it, that like th- there is only one TVA because you can't have multiple TVAs pruning each other's timelines because that wouldn't work. No, the only way the TVA works is if it is singular and exists completely outside of the timeline. Yeah. It doesn't work any other way. And I'm again, I would be totally fine with Loki gets shoved into this new TVA and 
either it's just getting started or Mobius and B-15 are like, oh my god, it's a Loki variant on the run. Like, you know, we got to get him. But they're not dealing with the branching timeline problem. Like, it's just, I don't think they really thought this through. And to be honest... It's not super shocking to me that they didn't think this through because, and I don't, I super don't want, we've talked about this before and I don't want to get into it like super deep again, maybe at all. But the whole question of Steve Rogers. Oh Lord. I sent you this article. The idea of like, did Steve create a new timeline when he went to go be with Peggy or did he somehow hop back onto our timeline, even though that's not supposed to be possible? There was just a like a Screen Rant article or something that's like the directors and the writers had two completely different ideas about that of Endgame. Mm. The writers of Endgame were like, yeah, he managed to get onto our timeline. And the director of Endgame was like, no, he created a branch timeline. And it's like, well, which is it, folks? It kind of has some serious implications for time travel in the Marvel Universe. It only has serious implications if you are, as you said when we talked about it, like if you are building phase four of the mcu around a multiverse right if if this had just been a throwaway thing and we all could just kind of be like haha only the nerds care then like fine but like you literally base an entire television show around it and now it's going to be the phase four and now apart from my like technical issues with how they handled timelines i'm putting that aside for a moment even though it's it's like sand in my shoe (laughs) i also have a major problem with how this show ended okay because and and like I might I might cut in. There's a podcast I listen to called I I don't listen to it super regularly, but I'll listen to it if they are talking about a topic that I care about. And the, it's called Extra Hot Great. It's by the people who used to write the Television Without Pity recaps back in like the the night the late '90s, early aughts. Oh, I love so if them. you're like yeah, so if you're like my age, you'll know who they are. And if you're not, you have no idea. So basically, the the if you're a geriatric millennial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, the woman who like runs has run that site forever like did like a little rant about loki that i might like clip a little bit out and put here so i'm gonna leave myself a space to do that okay when we talked about wandavision one of the things we liked at the start of the season was that the show seemed weird and we agreed that since disney did have this pre-sold audience it should be using its resources to hire people who would create concepts that stretch the boundaries of what comic book programming could be wandavision did do that for a while before it just had to be bent to serve the larger MCU in totally expected ways, and that was a bummer. Same thing with Loki. The questions about identity and free will and benevolent dictatorship all ended in a fizzle as the villain of the next Doctor Strange movie showed up to talk to us from behind a desk for like 20 minutes of the finale. Loki has a second (laughs) season planned, but where we left things was not on a cliffhanger that served the story of the show. It just felt like it stopped dead so that a movie could happen next. You know, it was, uh, they 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 kind of got me with WandaVision because WandaVision is a contained story. Yeah. And, you know, you haven't seen it. I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. However, you know, even though there's a little thread left at the end of WandaVision in the post credits for like, ooh, this could kind of continue the same way that like Iron Man, you know, you get to the post credits and there's Nick Fury. And yeah. was I the only one in the audience in the, in, in back in the, you know, 12th of however many gazillions of years ago that was? Yeah. Was I the only one in the audience going, oh, that's Nick Fury? Yes, I was. Was the only reason I knew who Nick Fury was because I had read Neil Gaiman's 1602 Alternate 1602, Universe. I love that book. Yes. Alternate Universe version of the Marvel Universe. Yes, it was. That's not important. However, like, 
it's fine to have that little thread of like, ooh, this could continue. We've told you a complete story. However, here's a little nugget of what might happen if you come back to our next movie. I'm fine with that. I think everybody's fine with that. Yeah. However, so WandaVision told you a complete story, you know, a, a complete tale of love and grief and loss and dealing with it and and coping mechanisms that aren't entirely healthy. And That's yes, there's jam. like a... Coping mechanisms that aren't entirely healthy. That's how I live my life. And like, yes, there's like a magic battle in there, some stuff about Scarlet Witch or whatever. But on the whole, it's a complete beginning, middle and end story of a woman having to deal with her grief and how she kind of accidentally turns the universe upside down in the process of that. Oopsies. Yeah. It's a complete story. I have no complaints about WandaVision except superficial complaints. This TV series is not a beginning, middle and end TV series. No. It is an extended teaser for i mean i don't know exactly which movie right is it dr strange in the multiverse of madness is it uh, ant-man quantum mania is I it i don't both. know yeah sure it's or just from the mcu writ large right yeah and like that is not what i signed up for <laughs> it's also it's also getting a second season which sort of makes me wonder how they're gonna do that at the Great same question. time all of these movies are coming out. But you know what the second season is not going to be? It's not going to be, oh no, we have to hunt down Kang and stop him. Because that's what the MCU is going to be doing. Yes. So the TV show is going to be some, I don't know, maybe it's going to be like Sylvie and Loki on the run. I don't know. I'm not going to say that I don't care because I probably will watch it. Yeah. But like, it is such a bait and switch to make this really good you know, the, you know, really feel like it's leading up to something. And also, like, not incidentally, to, to have it feel like it has this really solid thematic grounding. Okay? Yeah. We're talking about issues of identity. We're talking about issues of free will and choice. We're asking really hard questions that I genuinely, to this moment, do not know the answer to about, is it justified to do this timeline pruning in order to prevent the suffering and deaths of trillions of people. I don't know. And the series in the end is not that concerned with that answer, it's not which is really, really, really disappointing because I really wanted them to go to a place of like, I mean, I don't care who was the person behind. I don't care who's the wizard of Oz in this situation. You know, people talked about if it had been another Loki, it would have been a more interesting thematic choice because it would have been about who do you choose to be rather than who are you born to be? And I agree that would have fit in better thematically, right? But even if you're like, we have to set up Kang or we have to set up somebody, whatever. Like, there are very real issues and questions here that just don't get grappled with at all. Because Sylvie just cuts the Gordian knot and kills the guy. And it's like, and, and even when Loki's trying to talk to her about it. There's never a real conversation between the two of them about which of these alternatives is preferable. All it is is her throwing at her at him, I can't trust you, you only want power, blah, blah, blah. When there's like an interesting conversation to be had here where someone could say, look, you allow the timelines to branch and you're talking about, you know, every moment, trillions more people being generated, generated, generated. And then what, you're just going to kill all of them? Because you're worried about the possibility of war and then somebody on the other side going, well, look, those people all exist. They just are all going to exist in a consolidated way that means that they're not going to be in danger from multiversal war. I find both of those arguments extremely compelling. And we never have an honest conversation about it 
because the show's not interested. The show, as it turns out, the whole show was just an advertisement for the MCU. Come watch Doctor Strange and the bloody blah of whatever, whatever the heck. <laughs> and we're not going to actually follow through on the thematic, the really deep, interesting thematic questions that we raised in the making of this series. And it's like, well, then what, have I, what am I doing here? I saw some great acting. I saw some great visual effects. I, I asked some interesting questions of myself yeah. that the show doesn't care about in the end, it turns out. And then I'm basically told, well, we'll see you at the movies, you know, 20 bucks, bag of popcorn, whatever. And then, you know, we got to get some, we got to get people to the theater somehow. Okay, bye. Like, that's an insult. And I don't care if you loved this if you thought this was amazing, especially if you're like a fanboy who's like, but I love Kang. Kang's the best. That's fine. If that's the way that you feel about it, it's like time well spent for you. I'm really happy for you. And I'm not being sarcastic. I'm genuinely really happy for you. If this is, <laughs> if you felt like this was a good use of your time and that you really loved like, oh, it's Kang. Kang is my favorite. That's great. But like for me, someone who does not care about the comic books, okay, like, not that I've never bought a comic book in my life, but if you were, like, if you, like, held a gun to my head and, like, said, like, what's the best comic book? I'd probably be, like, oh, Sandman from, like, 1989, right? Like, <laughs> like, I'm not up on the haps, right? For someone like me who is just interested in good storytelling and does not necessarily want to have to grapple with, well, this thing is only interesting because only only interesting and only explicable because I have like deep lore backstory from 70 years of comic books or but whatever, like bite me. But we've also talked about the fact that like this series and the Marvel cinematic universe is also not interested in the comics. They, yeah. They have. But I'm claiming that the only reason for you to have been excited by that sixth episode of Loki is if you, if you have an interest in the comics. Like I see. I, I don't think that there's anybody who's like, oh, goody, they've set up the villain for the next MCU. I don't know who that guy is, but I, think I mean, it's maybe. Well, you're right. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're like, oh my God, I love Jonathan Majors. I'm so excited. And that's, again, that's a perfectly reasonable reaction to have. He's great. He's cool. But yeah. But nobody is like, nobody who has no background in comics is watching that sixth episode and being like, Oh my god, this is great. They've set up the MCU with a great villain. Like, that... What? No. <laughs> yeah, so I'll say a couple of things. I will... Uh, first, let me piggyback on that. And secondly, I will um, talk to you about um, one of the quibbles that I had with it. But, the, but to piggyback off of what you just said... I think there's a larger conversation to be had, and I don't know that we're qualified to do this, but I think there's a larger conversation to be had about, like, the Disney content machine behind mm. these stories, because I remember having similar conversations about, um, I think probably with you just off air, about... We don't um, talk off air, don't we? <laughs> lie to these nice people. <laughs> We were in that hotel room together, yes, but we did not speak to one another. <laughs> Purely professional relationship. That Star Wars, our, the original trilogy being our favorite pieces of media, I would say, or up there. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's for sure up there. That the new crop... I, I'm not talking about 7, 8, and 9. I'm talking about the new crop of Star Wars movies that were coming out. Like Rogue One and Solo. I'm specifically thinking of Rogue One, but Solo is another good example. Solo was 
not good. But Rogue One, very uneven, right? But what happened to that movie, and, and I know this because I listen to a podcast called The Watch, which also has been recapping Loki, so if you're interested, you should listen to them too, where they talked about the fact that the idea for the... The original idea for all of these offshoot movies in the Star Wars universe was to tell stories that were separate from the Skywalker canon, Skywalker um, legacy, and to tell individual stories to, to bring on writers and directors who wanted to tell specific stories in that universe, but give it like a different flavor. So the original version of Rogue One was basically save it private, saving Private Ryan in space. It mm. was, we know we're all going to die. We know that this is like, Basically a suicide mission, but we've got to do it because there's a greater good. But it was supposed to be really dark and much more about, like, you know, guerrilla warfare kind of in the trenches sort of thing. And they have, there are pieces of that in the final version. But what ends up happening in Rogue One is that it basically, and I think this sequence is really effing cool, but it goes right into episode four. Like, literally right into episode four. With a creepy CGI recreation of Carrie Fisher that I will never forgive anyone for. I agree with you. I agree with that. But, like, the the fight sequence is very cool. And the, like, getting the, you know, the goober, as as another multiversal person would say from from (laughs) Spider-Verse. Getting the goober one place to another, that was very cool. But I'm rambling a little bit, but all this is to say that, like, what happens is that Disney, I think, has trouble with this sort of, like, singular vision uh, that is separate from the larger story. I think Solo is a better example of the illness you have described. I agree. Because Lord and Miller, who, like, are very famous comedy writers. Love them. uh, who we've followed literally since like 2002. We love them. Wrote a very funny comedic treatment on Solo. And then they got booted off the project halfway through. And what I've never seen Solo, because I don't like to torture myself. Yeah. What my understanding is the output, what you get at the end of Solo is this like incredibly uneven, like it's, there's these comedy beats and then there's like these high drama and it does not work at all because Disney could not unclench far enough to allow Lord and Miller to actually have the latitude. Look, Lord and Miller wrote Spider-Verse. Yes. Okay? They are, and Lego Movie. They're not just- And Mitchell's co- Versus Machines, which I just watched and it's hilarious and wonderful. Everybody should watch it. They're not just, quote unquote, competent screenwriters. They are god-tier screenwriters. Yes. But Disney could not deal with a comedic vision of Star Wars and they scrapped- a lot of their stuff and gave it, I don't know who they gave it to somebody not that competent, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Well, and, and similar, but in the opposite direction with rogue one where yes. mm-hmm. rogue one was supposed to be very dark and very gritty and Disney could not deal with only dark and gritty. And so then they added like rebellions are built on hope and yeah. all that other stuff that like, <laughs> I maintain that the trailer for rogue one is the best, Star Wars movie that they have, you know, like that they've made, that they've in, made this... in the last 20 years. Yes. Yeah. I, yes. The trailer for Rogue One, I was like, I am in. And then I saw the movie and I was like, some of this is cool. And some of this is very uneven. So, I mean, but I will say that like, I think the same thing is applicable in the Marvel universe. And I think particularly with this 
with with this show because you know the other thing that they did with Rogue One and with Solo Solo has connections to the Skywalker saga because I think they felt like they had to add that in Rogue One has a really has like major connections to the Skywalker saga because I feel like they had you know they maybe they felt like they had to add that in and I feel like this is another thing where instead of letting this be we are going to you know I follow a lot of comic book writers and illustrators on Twitter and it is like an aspirational thing for me but one of the things that um, somebody who works I think for Marvel once said is that they are not allowed to read if you send in a spec comic book that's about one of their characters they're not allowed to read it yes so instead what they do is they say give me original characters and an original story and then basically based on the strength of that based on the strength of that yeah so what i was sort of looking at this up until this episode and i agree with you marissa like i think this was just an extended you know introduction to the phase four of mcu which lets me down what I was looking at this before this episode as is like a writer or a di- and or a director wanting to talk about issues of identity, talk about issues of your your family. Uh, maybe you've done things in life you regret. You wish you could go back and redo them. Any number of things, right? Or or these larger issues of like morality, like who decides good and evil, who decides. Who, right, who lives Thanos who was a Thanos was a stupid villain. I'm not saying that those movies were stupid. I thought those movies were really good. I enjoyed the heck out of them. Yeah, Thanos was a stupid villain with a stupid plan. Who anybody with three brain cells to rub together and a nascent sense of morality would know this is a bad plan. This is a bad guy. Yes, it's it's not interesting. It's not he's not an interesting villain. It's fine to have an uninteresting villain. Again, I'm not dragging the Avengers movies, but everybody was united in the thought of like this guy's bad and dumb, and we need to take him down. And he's done a terrible thing. He's killed half the people in the universe. We've got to get everybody back. Okay, fine. We're all united in that. Kang. I mean, let's forget about Kang. We don't know what the heck they're gonna do with Kang. But he who remains is an interesting villain with an interesting point of view, much the way that Black Panther. Killmonger was an interesting villain with an interesting point of view. And we saw in Black Panther T'Challa actually like grappling with the points he had made. And at the the, the end shot, I'm like yelling, the end <laughs> shot of Black Panther is him going to Oakland with the Bugatti spaceship <laughs> yes. to to change their like millennia old policy of hiding in the shadows and not helping like the African diaspora. Yes. They're changing because Killmonger showed him it was wrong. He T'Challa saw the folly of, of the, of his father and of his uncle alike. And he's set out on this new course. Now, you know, obviously I don't know what they're gonna do with Black Panther. Oh, Chad- we've Chad watched, it's such, such an unbelievable loss of life. But like, you know, that's how you do 
that's how you do a villain, an interesting villain. Okay, yeah. you want a dumb Ant-Man movie with a dumb villain? I totally get it. It's just a cartoon, basically, movie. I get it. Black Panther was the first MCU villain who had a point. But I would argue He Who Remains is the second MCU villain who had a point. And what did we do with him? We put a knife through his chest and shut him up and we will never see him again, I think. Because yeah. I suspect that conquering Kang does not mean going back to the status quo of the Kang variant running the TVA. I agree with you. I, I agree with you. Uh, to close off the point that I was going to make is that, you know, I was sort of looking at the series as like, oh, there are these larger questions and they're using the MCU characters to talk. I mean, much the way that it sounds like WandaVision using MCU characters to talk about grief, right? Yes. I, the other show, um, Winter Soldier show, using MCU characters to talk about like post-traumatic stress and, you know, what it is to be like coming back from a war that you didn't want to fight, right? Things like huge things that those could have been shows that were just about a regular soldier or just about a regular housewife who lost her, her, her partner, right? Like, but they are set in the Marvel universe. This, I was like, oh, this is so cool because this is, this is a show about identity and... And change. It's like um the Iron Giant, right? Yeah. The whole point, if you've never seen the Iron Giant, the whole point is like, the Iron Giant is a giant metal robot who was designed to kill. And so it was based on, this is a very sad story and I'm sorry in advance, Brad Bird, who's the, you know, writer-director had a sister who was uh, killed in a gun incident. He, she, she was shot to death. And his idea was, what if the gun had agency? So he wrote The Iron Giant, which is about a war machine, not the Marvel character war machine, a, a war machine robot who has been designed to kill, but ultimately chooses not to kill. He, he, he gets a soul in a sense, not in like a mystical sense, but in a sort of screenwriting sense. He gets a soul he realizes he doesn't want to kill. And that's the movie, right? That Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, I'll stop interrupting no, you. No, no, no. But like, this is all, I think it's, it's good to like, look at other media and be like, you know, what, what could this have been? But it does, but what it ends up feeling like is not like, oh, this was a real meditation on this. I mean, The Good Place is a perfect example. The Good Place, we had so many conversations about what would you do in this situation? What is the moral thing to do in this situation? Is it moral to have an afterlife where, you know, nobody, like, it's paradise, but, like, you limit the amount of people who get in? Or who makes those decisions? We had so many conversations about that. And the, you know, I think that almost spoiled us because it was so high concept. And this show, up until this episode, very high concept. Up until, I would say, maybe the last, like, ten minutes of this episode, very high yes. concept. Yes. And then, I think you're right, when she kills him, what it does is exactly what you said. It short circuits the conversation. And it also, I think, so it doesn't feel like a complete meditation on any of these larger issues. It, it does just sort of feel like a lead-in. And the other thing I'll say related to that, which is the other thing I wanted to mention, was that... You know, it also, it frustrated me that Sylvie, we had seen this character growth from her. And then in this episode, when she is confronted with this person who is the epitome of everything that she was chasing, that she just sort of went back to episode two, Sylvie. That she doesn't have... Yeah, that was maybe the most frustrating, because I liked Sylvie so much as a I character. I liked Sylvie too, and I think, you know, what frustrates me is like, here's what I assumed frankly, like if we're playing the longer game and looking at the, the phase four of the MCU, I assumed, okay, 
This is them giving Tom Hiddleston a swan song and introducing the Loki that's going to be in the uh, the phase four of the MCU. It's a lady Loki that's really effing cool. Sophia DiMartino is doing a great job. But what they do effectively is they keep Tom Hiddleston around and like, listen, I'm not going to complain about that because he's <laughs> great and very nice to look at. But what they do effectively... He's my soft, soft boy now. I gotta fight you and Kate. I'm never gonna win. <laughs> what they do effectively is they, like... They... they, they. I'm frustrated with how they handled Sylvie because they made her two-dimensional again. That she had had this really, like, three-dimensional growth. And then in the final episode, she's not... Like, she is driven by the same rage and and sense of vengeance that she's had the whole time but with none of the softness that we've gotten to see out of her in these other moments and it just felt like such a reversal like it almost felt like she kissed him just to manipulate him not because that was a real kiss so the director or the writer or whatever has been very insistent that that was a real kiss i just want to throw that out there okay i I mean i don't love the whole you have to read, uh, you have to do extra reading to understand this piece of screen media. Like, I, I'm st- I'm still mad at Donnie Darko because Donnie Darko is impenetrable unless you've, like, read the booklets that come with the DVD that explain their version what? of time travel. And I'm like, you can't, I, you cannot assign me reading when no. I'm sitting down to watch a movie. That's no. absurd. So in this one instance, it's not, you know, it's not necessary for the comprehension of it. So I'm I'm more fine with it, but the I think Kate Heron was like, no, that was a real kiss. That was a real kiss. So, okay, it was a real kiss. Fine. Okay, it was a real kiss, and then she immediately shoves him into a portal. Yes. You know, uh, so I, ha- I, ha- I think I had an issue with, like, we had this wonderful character growth from both of them, and we had from Tom Hiddleston's Loki saying to classic Loki and kid Loki, like, Sylvie is the only version of us that I truly trust, because yes. she has evolved beyond what we do. And to see her just sort of turn around and say, like, well, you know, you're getting in the way. I mean, maybe I'm not being as generous with her, but, like, the way she came across in the episode was very much like, well, if you don't fit, if you don't want to stab this guy in the chest as much as I do, you're no use to me. And I think... That's sort of tragic. I think that, I mean, maybe that's not the way that it was supposed to be interpreted, and there is actually, um, you know, we can get into uh, into the articles and stuff, but there there was an article from Vanity Fair where Kate Heron basically says that uh, that Seven, the David Fincher movie Seven, was oh like, I love that movie. Was I mean, a, I I would never go back and watch it, but it's a great movie. Was a they referenced that a lot when they were talking about He Who Remains and Sylvie's relationship. So the article. Um, I don't agree with the title, How Loki Pulled Out the Best Finale of the Disney Plus Era. But um, I, I only saw two of them and I don't agree with they that. They said the, the Loki creatives had cited um, several pop culture influences on their show, but one that series director Kate Heron likes to come back to time and time again was David Fincher's 1995 film Seven. Loki credits are even inspired by Seven's credits, which is interesting. Um, oh, okay. That film features a villain who manipulates one of the heroes into killing him. He does so by preying on the hero's fatal flaw. In the case of Brad Pitt's character, it's a hot temper. In the case of Kang and Sylvie, it's trust. I mean, it's a hot temper and he murdered his wife. Spoilers for Seven, but okay. <laughs> is that the what's it's in the box a... scene? I've never seen yes. it. Yes. Okay. What's in the box 
uh, spoiler alert, is Gwyneth Paltrow's head. head. Yes, I, I knew okay? that. So, I uh, and by the way, she was pregnant. So, no! Oh, I hate yeah. when they do that. Yes. Um, so, I, I don't... Uh, okay. I... <laughs> <laughs> I All right. I, <laughs> I don't even know how to recover from the 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 comparison of uh Kevin Spacey in 7 to Jonathan Majors like man this episode's already running long but can i just say like i have kevin, I have kevin to say spacey too, so. kevin spacey did not have a point nobody in that movie was arguing like hmm well gosh it wasn't a supernatural movie where it's like well we have to do these it's not like cabin in the woods i guess spoilers for cabin in the woods where you have to like Neither, but I'm aware of it. Okay. Where you have to do these sacrifices or the, you know, something terrible will happen. It's not like Kevin Spacey in Seven is like, well, if I do these seven deadly sin murders, then Jesus will come back. He doesn't even think that in his, like, crazy brain. Yeah. It, you know, it doesn't even have to be supernatural. It could just be his sincere belief yes. that, that Jesus will come back. That's not an element of it all. He's just crazy. He's just a guy who... He's yeah. just a guy! He's like but Dennis like, Hopper in Speed. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, like, Jonathan Majors is playing a guy who, like, has very difficult choices. Look, if you're a variant of Kang, what is it that the MCU wants you to do? That's a real question. Yeah. Right? And maybe the answer is, like, rearrange the timeline so that you're never born. Maybe that's possible. Maybe that's how they're going to get Kang in the end. Is like, we can't mm. be constantly fighting this guy and his variants. We're going to have to somehow prune the timelines to a point where, you know, his parents never meet. And then we're, we're, we're done with Kang. Which, that's a fine denouement as far as I'm concerned. But, like... That to compare it, to, uh, that that annoys me. Oh, okay. I I didn't realize it's not it would you. Annoy you. It's not you. It's not you. I'm annoyed at the creative team on Loki for like comparing those things, which it's like killing kill. Yeah. All right. All right. Whatever. Whatever. What else did you want to say? Uh, <laughs> well, okay. So I have two things. Um, one is um, just a bit of script doctoring. If you're interested in that, I can go in that direction. That's just me. Um, and the last is an article from The Ringer that talks about, like, kind of what's next for the MCU. So, uh, I know we're running long. Does one of those interest you more than the other? Um, I do want to hear your script, Doctor, more than I... I can always read The Ringer on my own time. (laughs) Okay. So, if you're interested in this Ringer article, it's called What Lies at the End of Time. And it's just sort of talking about, like, what this show kind of sets up for the upcoming movies which we've talked about a little bit but there's also some stuff about spider-man so it's interesting so i would go find it uh maybe we can tweet it out it's called what lies at the end of time i like the ringer uh for their pop culture stuff i don't care about sports i like it for their pop culture stuff anyway so the other uh, you know this is not the like hottest button to end on um maybe that's a good thing because we've been like very <laughs> hyphy in this episode but as, as i was watching it yesterday again to kind of prep for this episode I mentioned at the top when I started doing the recap that, like, the the biggest sort of creative problem that I have with this was the fact that it felt like a bottle episode, but just, like, a really, really expensive bottle episode. And that's oh not... Oh my god, so expensive. And that's not usually what you get for the finale. It's usually what you get for, like, the second to last episode in a season when they realize they've run yes. out of budget. Yes, yes, yes. And so I was sort of trying to figure out, like, okay, what could have made this more interesting? And really, I think it's just this, that we get this 
huge chunk of monologuing. And like some of the articles that I read for this did talk about the fact that like we basically get an exposition dump. It's what you said. Jonathan Majors is basically a character in a video game cutscene telling you exactly what you need to know and the choice that you have ahead of you. And like it's a it's a little like long and maddening. And so what I was thinking about was, you know, the the intro to the episode, the cold open to the episode does absolutely nothing. Nothing. It is Yeah, agreed. <laughs> a bunch of like, you know, Marvel characters, and then it's like Nelson Mandela and like Malala and you know, I only have that voice not because, like, I like both of those people very much. I think they're very important. Nobody but, like, doesn't like Malala <laughs> unless you're literally a terrorist. But, like, but I'm just saying that, like, they don't have any bearing on this story, and it does feel a little bit, like, grandiose and ridiculous for them to, like, be in the same, you know, uh, audio cuts as, like, Iron Man. Like, it just it was it felt very tonally very weird. Yeah, it's for sure weird. And what we've seen from this show in previous episodes has been that, like, they can do really good cold opens. And they can do cold opens that are tangential to the story that we're following and still make you interested in the story that we're following. I mean, think about, like, watching Sylvie get captured in Asgard as a little girl. Or um, the episode where uh, Sylvie, as, you know, as we know her is trying to get information from the Hunter C-20 and they're mm-hmm. like back on Earth and it's very trippy and weird and you're like, what? You know, these are people I know, but this is not a place that I know and all those kinds of things. And like, you know, if we have access, I mean, the nice thing about all the timeline craziness, like the, the you know, the multiverse madness that we're dealing oh, with. You literally could have just showed like the multiversal war, you mean? <laughs> yes, or you could have shown... <laughs> Yeah, not that's a, the, such a better cold open. Oh not God. the whole thing, obviously, because... It probably took millennia, so yeah. <laughs> but what I would have preferred is really just, you see Jonathan Majors, the scientist in the 31st century, frantically trying to save his lab. And like, by the way, I did a, a little bit of extra reading. That guy or a variant of his is connected to Reed Richards, which is like the OG um, Marvel character. Fantastic so like, yeah. You could have had a Fantastic Four Easter egg in there and everybody would have been happy. So, um, you know, you could have had, like, that scientist in, th- in the 31st century, like, frantically trying to figure out a way to, like, conquer or, or save, you know, neutralize Kang or save his his timeline from getting um, erased. And then you may have had, you know, Kang come in and, like, start mm, yes, ripping yes, things yes, yes, apart. Yes. And then you have... Jonathan Majors, as we saw him, he who remains, come in and wipe out both of them at the same time. Yes! Oh my god, that's such a better cold open. Because and it's like, and it's like you would just be totally like, oh my god, who are these people? Yes! What happened? Yes! Whoa, oh my god, we gotta watch. And it's like, it doesn't matter. It's the finale. It doesn't matter if Jonathan Majors is revealed in the cold open or if he's revealed, you know, a third of the way through when Miss Minutes lets them in. Like, that's fine. This isn't, oh, but I would argue, I would argue that if you saw him in the cold open and you had no idea who he was and he's this like nerdy scientist. And then you see like a big, like monster version of him. And then you see the version of him that we meet a third of the way through the episode. Yes. By the time you meet that person, a third of the way through the episode, you go, Oh, this is not a guy to be messed with because he wiped out this huge, you know, villainous guy who was ready to wipe out an entire timeline. Like, he is the most powerful. And so this is a guy who, when 
Sylvie and Loki meet him, they're like, you're just a man. If you saw him in the cold open doing something, frankly, superhuman and pretty amazing and, and also really brutal, then you'd be like, oh, they're underestimating him. And so then by the time, if you want to have your, you know, monologue with him, and I think you'd feel like I would have felt differently if we had seen, because what I didn't like was the fact that, like, we basically got this monologue from him, and the only visual that we got associated with it was, like... Was the Black Panther sand. The Black Panther sand, which to me is, like, a jazzed-up PowerPoint presentation of, like, (laughs) here here's everything that happened. Well, wouldn't it have been way more interesting if instead you saw some of that action or... And you cannot tell me that they couldn't afford to do this. They, because they must they, have been able to afford it because they afforded they were, everything else. Yes, they were, you, like, they were blowing money like it was nothing. Yeah. They were spending money like water. You cannot tell me that we can't have three Jonathan Majorses in the same room. And like a lab set doesn't cost, like barely costs anything. Like, oh man. Oh, that would have been such a better call to open. Marvel, please hire me. Oh, it hurts. <laughs> but even if you, and look, even if you don't want to show Kang the Conqueror in the opening, right? Because we haven't officially met Kang. Even if you don't want to show Kang, like you could show a shadow of him. You could have the the guy turn around the the the, Reed Richards scientist friend turned around and say like, Oh my God, it's you, you know, the conqueror. Like I won't let you conquer us. And then you have he who remains bust through the door and, and kill all of them and, and wipe all of them out. Like, I think there could have been a way to do it where you, you just amp up the energy at the beginning of the episode, because otherwise what we get is like, yeah, it's basically, yeah, the first three quarters of the episode are like a PowerPoint presentation. And it's like them walking through, it's like they walk into a building, they talk to a clock, they go on an elevator, they're in somebody's office, like... It's like taking a general meeting at the same <laughs> time. <It's> like, <laughs> Did you meet our clock animatronic? <laughs> it was, Loki and Sylvie were taking a general meeting with He Who Remains. <laughs> so I just think, I think that was where my mind went, was like, we could have had, they've done, and they're, I mean, I think what made me really annoyed was like, they're capable of doing it. We've seen it in other episodes. I, I don't yeah, know. I have if, no. Ex- I have no explanation. I don't know this. if they just like lost their juice, or I like my gut is that Disney interfered with with this more than they interfered with anything else, and that's maybe an incorrect read. But I kind of feel like I kind of feel like they got a lot of free reign, and then when it was time to reveal the Phase Four villain, it was like, and you're going to be doing things our way. <laughs> but I could be wrong. Yeah, and also the head writer for Loki, I just want to put this out there, on Marvel.com he did an interview where he says that he came up with the multiversal war angle and then he was also the head writer for Loki. So, like, it was always the the multiversal war angle for the MC and forward. Mm -hmm. And then he was the head writer for Loki. So I think it was always going to be a part of it. But, yeah, I mean, you may be right. Like, they may have just been like, well, we can't, you know, we've got to do, I don't know, Well, it could have been, like, we don't want to put any, like, Kang canon in here because we might have to mess with that later or something. I think that's kind of a lame excuse, but it's possible. Yeah, I mean, but you could have easily had the scientists, or you could have easily had, like, a few of the variants, like, trying to keep their their planets alive or whatever. And then have, like, a big shadow come over them. Because that's all Eliath is. 
Like, yes, absolutely. You don't even need to show he who remains, although I think it would be cool. Yeah. As long as you have some Kang variants who are like the well-meaning ones. Yeah. You know, you know, if we, if we can't save our timeline, maybe we can all somehow get to your timeline. I don't know if that's possible, but like, let's see if we can open a portal. And then it's just like shadow gone. Yeah. You know, and that like, there's so many ways they could have played this, but it would have been such a better, because such a better opening. I, yeah. And I agree. And I, I love that too. Like I had like goosebumps as you were saying that I was like, I would love to have watched that because, <laughs> well, because I think it goes back to the morality thing, right? Like he says, like, I did this to control my evil variants because like, you don't want to mess with them. But like, he had some nice variants too, and he snuffed them out. Like yeah. again, it is the it's the larger moral question that in the end they weren't really interested in answering. I think that's where we're gonna get off this train. Yeah. So until next time, Marvel hire Brianna as a writer. <laughs> uh, Meg just sent me a general call for they are hiring writers in their animation <gasps> department. So oh my god. Um, <laughs> Maybe I will just send this in as my resume and be like, yes. here you go. I fixed it for you. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah, we don't know what we're going to do next, do we? No, no idea. Okay, so bear with us. And thank you all for, for bearing with us in the last few weeks. And we'll see you next time, Big Dogs. The effects were cool. Sylvie, um... Can you tell the ambulance to chill the bleep out? <laughs> it'll, it'll pass. Look at that. Maybe they're coming to uh, deal with Jonathan Majors getting stabbed in the chest. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I think it's good. Okay, so...